What's going on, guys? Dr. Matt here, host of the Roadie Strength Podcast. Got a great guest on today, Justin Wright. How's it going? It's going well, man. All right. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we're over at uh, Invictus Fitness in Boston, uh, Back Bay. Yeah. Location over at St. James Street. Um, really cool walking in here. Um, like I was telling him, like beautiful building. I was like, wow, is there actually a CrossFit gym in here? Just because I'm so used to seeing like warehouses and like dungeons and basements. I'm like, yeah, we are in an office building <laughs> across from a furniture store and a wine store. Right? Yeah. So I was, I was like, at first I had to ask the guy, I'm like, I'm in the right place. And he's like, oh yeah, we're in Victus Boston, right down the, uh, right down the end of the hall. So, uh, yeah, really cool space. Um, and like you were saying, like you guys, this is your original spot, like you guys have started out here. Yeah. So we opened in January, 2012 and this space that we're filming in now this upstairs was our only location when we opened so um, it was cool you know obviously very different gym as you said Um, but you know it was a good problem to have we very quickly started to outgrow this space because obviously it's not very large right Uh, and one of the other issues that we ran into was that the wine store across the way is not very conducive to dropping weights Uh, so so there there was a lot of stuff but yeah what we ended up doing was um, kind of expanding to a location a couple blocks away uh, within the first year and a half of being open, which helped a lot, and then eventually moved into the basement here. Very cool. Any wine bottles fall off the shelves? Not one. <laughs> That's Not good. one in the history of the gym. That's good. Not one. But I, they probably were a little nervous about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand. That's that's a you know a right right rightfully concerned. Sure. Um, all right, so I'll just give a brief overview uh, of your bio, and then I usually like to do rapid fire questions. Um, I know the audience likes some of them. I personally just like them just because I get to know you more and for I sure. think they're fun for me. But yeah, um, sure. Sure. <laughs> I'm a little selfish in that way. I like to just ask those rapid fire questions. But um, so, and fill in the gaps for me too. Um, so, head coach previously or yeah. continue? Yeah, so I'm I'm our, our oldest or longest tenured uh, full time coach. Um, so I still help out with a lot of things, but but our head coach now is our is our manager Rob Morellis. Um, cool. So so I filled that role previously, but, but nice and um, made to the CrossFit Games um, under a team under Invictus. Yep, yep. So uh, or at the time we were Reebok CrossFit Back Bay, cool. so it was prior to uh, rebranding. So that was in 2016. Awesome. Um, Grid League. Yep. Very cool. Worst thing I've ever done to my body, but the most fun I've ever had. Um, I was just, when I was listening to your other podcast, I I just want to bring it up quick. Um, He was mentioning the Florida Grid League. Yeah. And I get, my friends send me posts all the time on Instagram of that. They do some wild stuff there. So I can only imagine um, what the other Grid League was like too. Well, not to derail the topic too much, but but, so so Grid was really fun. And in the original season, I think the sport was, it was a good premise. Uh, It was about doing things really quickly and and moving fast and, you know, uh, showcasing specialists, which is something that CrossFit typically doesn't do. Mm. Um, what ended up kind of happening uh, over the first couple seasons is it, it, it was one of those things where like they started to jump the shark a little bit where it's like, all right, well, that last race was crazy. So we have to like run up the ante. <laughs> and the problem was there was just a disconnect between a lot of the people watching didn't understand conceptually like how hard some of the stuff was. Yeah. And I think they would have been better served just keeping things simple and like fast as opposed to like it, one of the races we did in the championship, um, the year we made it to the championship was it was three cleans at 365 to end a race. And it was Tola Morquino, who I'm sure a lot of people know versus Danny Nichols, who Danny Nichols is kind of like the old guard of strength athletes, but it's like, they were doing singles and resting for like 20 seconds, it, which is still a very impressive feat, but it, I think it kind of like defeated the purpose. It was like too crazy at the end. You know? Yeah. And some of the gymnastics movements were crazy. It was just, it got a little over the top. Yeah. I hear you on that. So you, you, uh, you feel that a little bit in the body? Oh yeah. yeah. It, 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 we, we all joke around. Anybody who like, you know, was on a team in grid, like for those last couple seasons, especially we all, anytime we talk to each other, we always joke about how terrible we feel. But, oh man. Um, and then most recently starting to get into, um, film mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, you explain that a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh, back in the day I, I did some acting in college and, and really cool. enjoyed it and I wanted to kind of get back into it. Uh, and then, you know, decided to just make a project with a buddy of mine, which kind of was the first time that I had really spent a good deal of time behind the lens or kind of on the, the production side yeah. side of things and, and really loved it. Uh, and I've been fortunate in that I, I met a really good friend and mentor, uh, Steven Schloss, who's a really talented commercial director, cool. kind of took me under his wing. And uh, now I'm uh, an independent producer and director and we, we do a lot of you know uh, commercial projects like brand 
projects, stuff like that. I did a documentary on the underdogs uh, athletics team, which uh, which is out. Um, so yeah, it's just been a fun kind of evolution. That's awesome. So I really want to talk about that stuff. Maybe let's just talk about a little bit about first. So the underdogs, what is that? So underdogs athletics, uh, they are the, uh, it's Justin Kotler. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the, the team and the programming behind uh, Bethany Shadburn, Danielle Brandon, and Carrie Pierce prior to her okay. retiring. So uh, Justin was Carrie's coach for uh, the 2020 games where it was like the, you know, they brought just five, uh, five men and women to, to the ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been in the game for a long time. He was also a coach in grid for the DC brawlers. Okay. Uh, so, so I've known him for a bit. So, yeah. So I ended up kind of getting the opportunity to go out and film them during quarterfinals last year. Sweet. Uh, and okay. we put together a documentary on kind of the team and, and, you know, my goal was to, to highlight him as a coach and, yeah. and all that stuff. And obviously we can put links to all that stuff in the yeah, in definitely. This video or whatever. So if people want to check it out, but it was a fun little project and, uh, it was a, it was a good opportunity for me to, to kind of tell their story and show, you know, the, almost like the family relationship there. As yeah. Opposed to just like the coach athlete relationship. I feel like that's what a lot of people like to see in film too. Yeah. I mean, all the action shots are cool, but you got to have some plot behind it. You got to have some like, how's everybody connected to each other? That's, sure. that's the cool part for me anyway. For sure. <laughs> I, I wanted to actively avoid making it like just another hype workout. Video, yeah. Right? Yeah. Because like there, there's a place for that and that stuff's really cool. Yeah, sure. Um, but I wanted the film to showcase, you know, uh, why he's special as a coach and, and why mm. those athletes, you know, love working with him. Sure. And so, so my goal was to highlight, you know, that component in those interactions more than just the fitness stuff because that's, that's yeah. cool, but yeah, there's yeah. a lot more that story you know 100 percent. that's really cool i like that are you working on um other projects with that now too or uh so i'm doing some or helping with some media stuff here uh, one of the cool. things or one of the products that we we took on this year is we're doing coach highlight videos for all the invictus coaches mm. um just over the years as we've grown I, I think one of the things that we haven't necessarily done a good enough job of collectively is uh showcasing who the coaches here are sure because people are familiar with our gym and our brand mm-hmm. um but at least here you know we haven't we have some phenomenal coaches with some really cool knowledge and, yeah uh, and the goal now is to showcase that and kind of show the world who they are uh and so we've been doing um some coach highlight videos on on staff here just telling their story you know giving like quick snippets of their their coaching philosophy and, and why they they like coaching um I like and then that. i'm also helping with just media surrounding the open and doing some of our cool stuff as well that's really interesting um so that's almost like you go into someone's web page instead of seeing a bio you get like a whole like video on like how like who this coach is and and like get more be more in depth about them exactly i think you know the visual medium is really powerful and, and yeah. it's uh you can learn a lot more about somebody um hearing it in their own words and kind of seeing them in action than you can just reading about what they do for sure and i feel like with today's like culture like if there's a big paragraph people are like all right, I'm gonna keep scrolling. Exactly. <laughs> Versus exactly. video is more captivating. It's cooler, exactly. especially if you like. If, obviously, you're probably very good at filming, so it's like it's more interesting versus like an iPhone, which I'm using now. But <laughs> it is what it is. The tools for the job. I, yeah, I, I've taken some of my favorite photos on my phone. Actually, yeah, that I've taken. So yeah, powerful tool. <laughs> they have, they have good lenses and everything now, so good quality. Um, one more point I wanted to add to that, uh, which. This is only a few weeks ago. Um, so I'm a member at CrossFit Providence, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the we still do icebreaker questions. Um, and uh, the coach was like, "All right, who's everybody is coming up for the open? Who's everybody's favorite CrossFit athlete?" And th- this is also just part of the culture of that gym. It's a very like um, not a competitive gym. It's very like, community focused, yeah. like family focused. Um, so I started off, and I'm like, uh, "He's like anybody could be personality, blah blah,", blah. and at a, just off the top of my mind, I'm like, "Oh, Dave Castro, just." For whatever reason, I'm like, all right, he just came, first person that came to my mind, and um, which we can talk about to him if you a little yeah, bit if you yeah, want to. Sure. But um, every other person, there's a 20 person class. Every other person in the room said the name of the coach that was coaching, which I thought was pretty cool. That is they really didn't cool. really a lot of them didn't really know like a lot of like the pro like CrossFit athletes. Like I think one person said like Rich Froning, yeah, yeah. but they're like you, you're my favorite CrossFit athlete, and I'm like, wow. So like that's really powerful. I didn't like that was like yeah, really that's interesting a, to me. That's so a killer moment. That yeah, says a lot about the culture there. On yeah, like I think you know that's what you want, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and I think as coaches, it's easy to forget to how much members and athletes that you work with look up to you sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I've said this uh, 
you know, over the years many times. But one of the things that's great about coaching, but also really hard about coaching, mm-hmm. is you're always on stage, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's 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 always a performance, not in the sense of you know you're you're being a, a false version of yourself. But yeah, you always have to put your best self out there because sure. you never know like how much you're going to impact the people that you're working right. with or interacting with, and 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 sometimes on you know on hard days it's easy to forget that, but it's an important thing. Yeah, totally. And another example of that too is um. Before I, I opened my own uh, PT clinic, which I, I just do small, um, like concierge base, like mm-hmm. for athletes, um, I was working at a big outpatient um, orthopedic setting where we see tons of people a day, like every half an hour, maybe have like two people booked at a time. And it was great for a while, but I wanted to leave that job and kind of do my own thing after a while. Um, and another thing they had mentioned to us, like, oh, we really want to start pushing out like social media to like showcase you guys because um, when our prospective clients like see us on social media and webpage, like, they don't care about like the front desk staff. They don't care about the owners. They want to see their PT, like what they're doing. Like you're there, like I don't know, celebrity or superstar or whatever. Like they want to right. see like you guys. So I'm like, oh, I mean, that makes, that's all, makes a lot of sure. sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we we can definitely. I have some funny Dave Castro stories. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we could talk about. He's a, he's an interesting character for sure. Um, let's uh, before, yeah, before we even hit rapid fire, let's get into that a little bit because that took the world by shock, like sent shockwaves to the CrossFit world. Kind of yeah, yeah. seemed like it came out of nowhere. Um, I mean, I understand it's, uh, I personally, I'm a fan of Eric Rose. I think he's done a great job with a lot of things. Um, but, uh, and I get like the whole business side of it. If you're trying to like progress the business of the sport and CrossFit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people were like, maybe that wasn't handled hundred percent properly or yeah. whatever. But, um, I think it, it, when you're a leader in any organization, um, transparency is important. Yeah. And it's important to be forthright with kind of the whole process, right? You know, I'm not necessarily surprised at the decision to get rid of Castro. You know, there's and there's a number of reasons and, and a number of things there. But yeah. I, I think that the way that it was handled was Same. probably not ideal. Um, you know, you have to look at CrossFit's an interesting beast where, mm-hmm. you know, prior to Rosa taking over, there were a lot of times where they were almost actively doing things that were bad for the brand or, or, or and, and yeah, you know, 2020. <laughs> right. And, and so if, aside from that, it, you know, the support for affiliates over the years, there was a period where things were really good. Mm. And then there was a period where there was, you know, much to be desired from, from CrossFit. I think it's, you know, the, the independent model of the affiliates and the freedom and, and autonomy to kind of run the gym your way is important. But at the same time, I think that there need to be better resources to help affiliate owners just because think about how many people are opening a gym because they love coaching and they love you know, being able to help a community, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there's a lot of things that go into running a business that pull them away from coaching. So right. the story that I've heard so often over the years is you have somebody who opens a gym because they love it and they want to mm-hmm. coach and they want to, you know, build a community for, for people to, to enjoy, but then they get bogged down in the weeds of running the business. They aren't able to coach as often. They have to, you know, either they coach all the hours and, and get burnt out and they can't give themselves fully to their members or they have to hire people to, to do the thing that they want to do while yeah. they run the business. So it's, yeah. you know, I, I think that, and, and the one thing I do really like that Rosa did when he came in was he started um, creating resources to help affiliates run their affiliates, yes. uh, yep. which I think is something that is super important and should have been present. Sure. Sure. I mean, you look at that, like anytime you talk to someone who's like talking about the, uh, the fee for being a CrossFit gym, like oh, a $3,000 fee, like, what do I get? I get to say I'm CrossFit. That's it. Right. But now it seems like he's putting some value behind that, which is cool. Like, um, I asked, uh, when I was just talking to Connor Murphy on the podcast, he was talking about um, one of his favorite programs is is the CrossFit affiliate program, mm-hmm. just because they, um, he knows the type of work that um, the people that behind it, like what they put into it, yep. and do they just make it available to all the gyms? Um, so just another value add for like being part of a CrossFit. Right. I think that's huge. I think yeah. you know being able to. You know, because not everybody who's good at coach coaching is good at programming, and vice versa. Yeah, you know, they're two different specialties, two different entities, and, mm-hmm. and so having that as a resource is important. But I, I think having the business resources is important. They started to put together things like you know how to run your business, or these really? are the things that you need to to do. Like you know, I think having that available for the affiliate community is really important. That's cool. Um, yeah, and I think that will you know allow people to run better affiliates, mm-hmm. which at the end of the day is is kind of the whole purpose of this, right? Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if this had anything to do with Rosa or not, but um, they just put out uh, a couple weeks ago a uh, CrossFit Health seminar. Mm-hmm. I don't know, if, did you? I don't know if you caught radar of that. At I, all. I heard of it. I, I, yeah. I haven't 
got, you know, uh, haven't been able to dive too deep. Into yeah. Um, so I, I was, I think you get um, CEUs for it, you get credits for it. Um, but uh, someone who was uh, in the CrossFit space in Rhode Island, who's a uh, pharmacist, actually sent me the link to it because I didn't see it pop up on any news source. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you should check this out. Like, it's 65 bucks and you get literally two days of it's live, but they record it and you can watch yep. it afterwards. Yep, yep, yep. And they have just huge names on it. Um, Kelly Surrett, um, as far as like for health practitioners in CrossFit, um, Sean Rocket, yep. who I know is in Boston, had, had a, um, a big section of it just talking about how to like be healthy and safe and um, how to, I guess, optimize your uh, time in CrossFit. And um, that was really cool. And Eric Rose like did like the opening like speech and all that stuff. And I, I don't know, I think they had had it in the past, but just like in a in-person yeah. venue. Yeah, yeah. But this is the first time I did it virtual and uh, it was, I'm still going through it because it's like 14 hours of, yeah, a lot of info. <laughs> but like really good info. Yeah. Like every, it's like, they did it almost like podcast format, but also like they split it up into like each person had like almost like a mini like lecture or mm-hmm. seminar. It was really cool. Yeah it's, yeah. it's nice to see them give information dense things. Yeah. Like that. Also at a price point that's, super affordable right? yeah um so so you know those type of changes mm-hmm. are where the crossfit affiliate community should be going yeah you know you, in the competitive aspect is different i think you know to to rewind to the dave castro situation yeah, yeah. obviously he's left a huge um oh, man. Uh, handprint on the competitive crossfit landscape and so i know a lot of people are concerned as far as what's going to happen now the one thing i will say is um i think it opens the door for logic to prevail in some situations because mm. so so castro it, you know obviously he's a former seal he's a very uh, intense guy and mm. i have a lot of friends who are operators and and it's a, a unique breed of human being sure where like he has a vision for how like he wants to test and find the fittest mm-hmm. and there you know it's a very uh, black and white process as far as like okay we need to do this this movement like he's very good at coming up with really good workouts that are going to test that domain yeah but you look at even the first open workout this year with the step down mandate, mm-hmm. and I know some com- like high level competitors were upset about it because yeah. it's awkward or they're not used to not rebounding or whatever. But I think if you if you zoom out and you look at you know the fact that the open is is encompassing a ton of people, yes, I think that that change is is a sign of good things to come as mm-hmm. far as like let's also be logical about right. what we're testing because you're still going to find the best of the best in that workout. Mm-hmm. You know the 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 top. Right. Athletes are still going to be the top athletes, right. but you also are going to reduce the rate of injury for your average person doing yeah. it. Yeah, um, and then obviously even with with pre caster leaving, the, the addition of quarterfinals, in my opinion, is the single greatest thing that they did to the competitive crossing season. Can you the, say say it one more time? The addition of quarterfinals. Yeah, yep. Okay. Because now the open doesn't matter. In, right. In the sense of, you know, not that it doesn't matter, but if, right. you're, if you're an athlete who is an aspiring games athlete, sure, you can make it through the open qualify for quarterfinals without having to worry about it. And what it does is it it's it's people are no longer repeating open workouts a million times. Yeah. And quarterfinals are designed in such a way that you can't really repeat any of the workouts anyways because that you have to finish, you know, two per day or if there's a schedule that right. you have to submit them. So I think that the addition of, of quarterfinals to the competitive season is one of the best changes in the sport because mm-hmm. it actually it, it it's not going to reward the person who doesn't work out six times. It's going to re- right. reward the athletes who should move on to the next phase. Right. I really like it too. It makes so much logical sense, especially if you're going to put like a lot of like, uh, like either really complex like barbell movements or like gymnastics movements. We're just going to save those for quarterfinals. Yep. Make, make the, well, maybe put some in the open, but like how they've done it in the past or like if you are fit enough to get to like the end of the workout, then you can sprinkle some of that stuff in. For sure. But just make it so encompassing so anybody can do it and just have all these different scale divisions. Um, like for the wall walks, if you can't do the scale wall walk, you can even do like the bear crawls instead. Yep. So everyone can participate, which is pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it makes it, you know, better for, for your community. Mm. And at the same time, it, it having that much of a or ha- that high of stress mm. during the open season for competitive athletes because even if you yeah. are an athlete that's going to make it to the games you know there have been instances like lucas hogberg where like the wall climb workout for whatever reason just exposed a weakness like that combination mm. of movements this is a perennial games athlete a guy who's won events yeah. at the games you know like the open creates that stress of well what if this workout goes wrong do i have to redo this like whatever so you know, just from like a, a neurological standpoint, being able to have the open be less stressful for the mm. athletes, I think it's hugely important. And I just think it's better for the longevity of the athletes of the sport, or, you know, of all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, 
before we beat this to death, I got one more <laughs> quick story on it. Uh, yeah. When I explain the Open to people who like, aren't in CrossFit, I think the addition of quarterfinal and semifinals makes it easier for them to digest too. Yes, for sure. It's like, they're like, oh, like you're doing a competition this weekend. I'm like, yeah, so it's three weeks. Like they released the workout on Thursday. We have to finish it by, or submit it by Monday. Um, it's everybody in the world. They're like, oh, you're competing against like Matt, Fra- well, last year, like Matt Frazier. I'm yeah. like, kinda, yeah, we're yeah, doing kinda. the same workouts. Um, but I, I explained to him, okay, like it ranks you. And then like, if you're good enough, you move on to the next stage, good enough. Mm-hmm. And then eventually that last stage is a CrossFit game. So like, Obviously, I'm not moving on to that stage, but yeah. um, it was kind of all in the same pool. And they're like, oh, that's like really cool. Yeah, the flow makes sense. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Yeah. But um, all right, cool. Let's uh, – um, I'm, I'm sure we probably left some holes in your bio, but I guess we can fill them as we go along. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm sure there will be plenty of stories to tell along the way. Um, all right, let me just do a quick breakdown of your stats. And if these have changed at all, I just pull these off the CrossFit website. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of these are old. Some of them are <laughs> So back squats four seventy five. Uh, lifetime PR was four eighty five. Sweet, all right. Uh, clean and jerk three forty five. Uh, that I believe is still accurate. Yeah. Snatch two seventy five. Two eighty two. Let's go. Recent. Uh, semi recent. Yeah. Let's actually, go. Surprising. Surprisingly enough. Deadlift five twenty five. Uh, five forty five. Nice. Fran two eighteen. Uh, two oh three or two oh two is my most recent. Damn, I'll give you two oh two. Grace, 145? Uh, 112. And uh, actually, oh, I, was, yeah. um, I have a one-minute unbroken Isabel, which uh, at the time Damn. I did it, it was uh, I was tied with Travis Williams. It was, we had this like three-way. It was Travis Williams, me, and Tola, who were all just kind of like <laughs> joking around about who had the fastest Isabel time. That's nuts. Um, first place in regionals in 2017 mm-hmm. in the U.S.? There's uh, a world there. That was the team. Uh, so, so I wasn't actually on that team. Okay. Uh, and we can talk about. Sure. The, the, it was a tough season, um, which uh, actually transformed me into who I am today. So we cool. can get into that. All story. right. Yeah. But 2016, we took fourth, which moved us onto the games. I was on that team. Uh, the 2017 regionals team, I was on the team for the open, uh, and then was not. I didn't compete on that regionals team. Okay. But they won uh, 2017 and 2018 the East region uh, for both of those years. Cool. All right. And uh, games appearances in 2016 and 2017? Or no, or sorry, 2016? So 2016, 2016. we were 20th, and, uh, and then the team in 2017, I think they took 11th. Yeah. Year, and then it might have been 10th in 2018. They, they Very cool. All right. Sweet. All right. And uh, all right. Rapid fire questions. So just cool stuff for me that I find interesting. But uh, best breakfast spot in Boston? Uh, Mike and Patty's. Uh, it's it's a little spot, literally hole in the wall on the same street that we live on right now, Fayette Street in Bay Village, which uh, incidentally is a neighborhood that nobody knows exists in Boston. <laughs> um, but really good breakfast sandwiches. All right. What's, what's your go-to breakfast sandwich? Um, so I just do a classic, but I add an extra egg and I add some bacon. So it's just like nice. your classic, you know, egg and cheese but they do um, homemade English muffins Ooh. and uh, and so I, I add an extra egg and bacon to that they also have one you know depending on the day it's called the grilled crack which is sourdough <laughs> like butter. Irish right yeah yeah. Like, bu- bu- buttered sourdough with, like three types of cheese double bacon so that's you know if I'm being naughty that's <laughs> nice I never think to do that with a breakfast sandwich like uh, add an extra egg but I guess you can probably do that pretty easily yeah, anywhere slap it on there yeah. you need the protein uh, best coffee uh, best coffee so um, uh, there's a place called Greystone Cafe uh, which is um, in the south end which is really really good for espresso cool uh, and then honestly my favorite coffee spot of all time is, is this place Cup of Coffee it's an uh, Australian shop and uh, they that was like my lifeblood during the COVID lockdown because they were one of the only places that was still open no way yeah okay there's a in Newport there's a uh, Australian a coffee shop and they have some like interesting takes on things that's yeah. pretty cool the guy, yeah. and the guys who own it are great I, I go there all the time uh, I know this is a I almost should take this question out but uh, best bar or place you want to go for like a drink in Boston because um, a lot honestly, of people are just like no we don't do that yeah, no, <laughs> hey listen I, I, I go to bars uh, so there's a place called Precinct which is it, it's actually a hotel bar but it's around the corner from okay. our other gym location uh, and it just has become the, the de facto like community gatherings nice. after we do events and they're really good to us so that's definitely cool. probably our, our favorite spot awesome favorite sneaker like cross sneaker gym sneaker Ooh, um, you know I, I'm a big fan of like the nano 2 Ooh, okay like the, like the old school ones so those are really good I, I do like the noble trainers now mm. I think they're sweet uh, you know one of my favorite shoes of all time actually was the uh, 
So the New Balance Minimus, the 40, so not the completely flat one, but the 40 kind of looked almost like a Metcon, like with the heel or whatever. Okay. So we actually helped them design that back in the day. Um, we were working closely with Noble for, uh, I'm sorry, not Noble, my New Balance. New Balance for a couple of years uh, with their product dev team, and, and we uh, we contributed to the, that sneaker. So Sweet. Yeah, that ended up being a, a cool thing. Very cool. Favorite movement or, or best movement or movement like when you see like, all right, I'm going to crush this. Uh, I am a big fan of the combination of like moderately heavy barbell and gymnastics. Cool. So this is kind of like a, a, a wider answer, <laughs> but like, for example, like, like heavy clean and jerks, you know, like 185, 225 mm. in a lot plus like muscle ups or, or whatever. Um, I prefer pulling movements to pushing movements. So I'm definitely better at muscle ups and pull ups than handstand push ups. Cool. All right. Uh, celebrity crush. This one throws people off a little bit. Uh, so this, this is kind of out of left field, but uh, but mine lately has been Rebecca Ferguson. So she's in Dune. Um, she's okay. Also, she she played like the main uh, woman in Doctor Sleep, which was like the the Shining follow up. Okay. She's been in a few other things. So yeah. Sweet. I mean, I'm I'm not really good with celebrity like knowledge in general, so I just take your word for it. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't tell you why. But Something about it. Uh, place most recently traveled. This has been a tough one for people recently too. But uh, so recently was was Austin, Texas, and then cool. New York City, kind of back to back. Just uh, for fun, or uh, yeah, Austin was it? So for Austin, there was originally going to be a film festival for Noble uh, this oh. year, but they had to move it back, like scheduling and COVID and all kinds of crazy stuff. So I think they they're delaying it to next year. But we ended up just not being able to go on that trip and just decided to go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then New York City, we went uh, for my birthday weekend. Uh, cool. I also saw my tattoo guy down there, so we kind of lined it up. Got some new ink? Yeah, man. Nice. Uh, anywhere you have planned? Anywhere, like, destinations, trips, anything like that? Yeah, uh, so we have to take our honeymoon still, and we're planning on visiting my buddy in Singapore and then popping Sweet. over to Bali. Yeah, so awesome. That'll hopefully be later this year. We'll, we'll see what happens. Very cool. Uh, one book that you've liked or impacted your life or you read recently? Um, so one of the best books I read last year was uh, The Lion Tracker's Guide to Life. By nice. By Boy Barty. So, so My buddy just sent me that. It's a phenomenal <laughs> book. It's very – I like recommending books that are easily to read, easily sure. digestible, right? So it's it's not very long. It's a very easy read. But but uh, he was also just on the Tim Ferriss podcast, uh, oh, Boy Barty. Uh, really interesting dude. Um, so uh, – not to go off too much on a tangent, sure. but he's a frequent guest on this podcast called The Great Unlearn with uh, this okay. guy, Cal. Now, Cal was a coach for uh, the Phoenix team in the Grid League, which is where I originally met okay. him. So he was, or he was affiliated with the Phoenix team. Really, really good dude. Um, but he's based in Austin, Texas, uh, and his podcast is another phenomenal one for, for your listeners to check out. Cool. Um, but Boyd Vardy is one of his friends and a frequent uh, guest on there. But he basically grew up on in South Africa, on the Savannah, on like a game reserve. Mm. And uh, the premise of the book is... They're trying to track a pride of lions through, uh, you know, through that area, mm. and it's it relays a bunch of life lessons in the context of their journey, which I think is a really interesting way gotcha. to, to tell it. Um, but really powerful book, really easy to read. Um, definitely one of the better ones I've, I've read recently. Interesting. I don't know if this relates much to that, but um, I have a PT mentor, and uh, in a way. I, this might be a loose relation, but uh, I was asking like, oh, what, what books do you like? Like fiction, nonfiction, just like in general for like starting a business, whatever. And he, um, he said Old Man in the Sea. Okay. Just because of how like much that guy like struggled like th- during that story of uh, like Ernest Hemingway, like um, uh, just showing like motivation or determination on like being able to catch that fish. <laughs> so sure. maybe, maybe some relation there but as far as like a hunt. Yeah. Versus like the lessons you learn from it, but sure. another one I would say too is uh, Green Lights by Matthew. Yes, um, it, it, he it, people don't realize how smart and philosophical he is. Yeah, um, but that was a really it's just a really powerful book on mm-hmm. like I'm a firm believer in you know opportunity kind of surrounds us all the time, but you need to be prepared and observant enough to like seize those opportunities. Sure. Right? There, there are things, you know, where unless you have the requisite preparation or training, you won't recognize that an opportunity is there, which is why, you know, the practice is important and, and putting in the work is important because then you'll be aware of those things. Yeah. Um, but but the whole concept of that book, Greenlights, is really about, like, 
how to find the moments in life that propel you forward and, and kind of how he learned that through his life, which I think is really, really impressive. Yeah, I love that book. That's a phenomenal book. Yeah, really, That's probably really. one of my favorites. Yeah, it's up there. So I'd say those two, Lion Tracker's Guide to Life and, and Green Lights cool. are, are solid. And they're both easy to read. So if cool. even yeah, if right. you don't like to read, it's easy. The Green Lights audiobook is narrated by him too. So yeah. if you'd rather do audiobook, go that route all day. Uh, favorite podcasts? Ooh, obviously the Roadie Strength. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, so I, I do really like the Great Unlearn. Um, yep. I like uh, I like Tim Ferriss. Uh, depending on the guest. Um, Same, yeah. You know, uh, so I don't necessarily listen to them religi- religiously, but if there's somebody interesting on there, I always talk yeah. on. I think he's a good interviewer. Definitely. Um, you know, despite all the controversy, I think Joe Rogan is a great interviewer. Same. I think if you look at it on a guest by guest basis, yes, like it, there's important. Uh, he does a good job of like like the Elon Musk podcast with him, for example. Yeah. I think was one of the best interviews of that year, mm-hmm. just because like. Elon's a really interesting dude and reserved dude, and I feel like it, he opened up in a way that he hadn't before. Definitely, um, yeah, he's he's got a gift for getting people to do that yeah, for sure. You know, for, for talking. So, so yeah. if, you, if you look at at it for what it is, I think it's important. Yeah. Um, aside from that, um, there is one. Uh, I gotta I gotta pull up my. Uh, actually, I'm gonna pull up my podcast sure. right now. Go I for forget, it. I always forget the names of things. You know? <laughs> While you're at it, my my next question you can think about it too is uh, favorite Instagram accounts. Ooh. Okay, good. <laughs> so um, the way I like to look at that is like people who either like entertain you or inspire you or like you learn from. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, uh, Huberman Lab, H-U-B-E-R. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Man Lab is a good one. Um, just an interesting dude. He he also does research in a lab with the guy who wrote the uh, book Why We Sleep, Matthew Walker, which is an interesting uh, like health book for people who, who want to you know, yeah. learn that stuff. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, the Naval podcast, which is a bunch of snippets from Naval Ravikant, who's a... How do you spell that? Uh, N-A-V-A-L. Um, and so he's a, a serial entrepreneur, but a big like figurehead in kind of the Silicon Valley tech world. Cool. Um, and then uh, two podcasts that kind of got me through um, lockdown is uh, Indie Film Hustle, which I actually learned a lot about film, independent filmmaking mm. while I was kind of in the trenches. Uh, and the Film Riot podcast is the same thing. Sweet. Cool. Um, and then favorite Instagram accounts. Uh, so for fitness, um, Coach Eugene T.O. Uh, T.E.O. Um, and then just Coach Eugene. Okay. Uh, prior to that, he is a, um, he calls himself like a muscle mechanic, but he's a, he's based out of Australia. Really interesting guy for um, kind of m- fixing movement patterns and using exercise to strengthen things that are lagging or whatever, but he takes a really in, uh, unique approach to exercise that I think is, is really cool. Um, you know, if you want to get like pumped up or fired up, Jocko Willink or Andy Frazella are mm. both really good for, for that, like kind of interface and, and throw David Goggins in there. Obviously. Sure. Um, so those are guys that I look to when, uh, you know, when you want to be inspired. Um, what else here? He's... <laughs> This is a good question. Yeah. And I clearly forgot all of that. And you can, uh, you can tell me afterwards, too. I, mean, I can put them in the uh, yeah, show yeah. notes as well. For sure. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll come up with some better ones. All right. <laughs> um, all right, so let's get into uh, your history a little bit. Um, and I know you've talked about this on, on previous podcasts, so you can go in. I don't want to have you repeat yourself for no reason, but you can go and do it as much or as little as you want. For sure. Um, and, and so basically... Um, for the rest of the podcast, yeah, um, kind of your history, how you got into CrossFit, a little bit about um, your experience, like competitive CrossFit, mm-hmm. like grid league, game, um, kind of where your training's at now. Yeah. And then I want to get into like the filmmaking a little bit uh, um, too, um, just kind of like where you're at and like uh, what you're doing with that. For sure. Cool. So, yeah, go ahead. Uh, cool, yeah. So, uh, I grew up in, in southern New Hampshire, so Nashville, New Hampshire. It's cool. uh, it's right over the border, the Mass New Hampshire border. Yeah, I'm, I grew up not far from that little town, Ashby. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of near Nashville, but yeah, Ashby, Fitchburg, let me say. Um, so, you know, pretty, that's a pretty normal life. Uh, I was, uh, I've said this a lot before, but I was, um, I was a, a, a serial video gamer back when I was a kid. I, I didn't really do a lot of fitness stuff. Um, I actually kind of was very, I don't want to say lazy, but I was very like not into fitness or, or sports or whatever when I was a kid. Um, and so I got into exercise because I started wrestling in uh, fifth grade and I just got 
tossed around at practice <laughs> all day and I got kind of sick of it. So my mom and her boyfriend at the time were both competitive bodybuilders. And so I got into the gym originally because my mom's boyfriend, uh, you know, wanted to help me out because I, I had approached him about, you know, training for wrestling so that I was stronger and I wasn't getting beat up as sure. much. Uh, and that kind of was my first experience getting into the gym and learning how to exercise. Mm. Uh, and I'm thankful for that experience. I always tell people I kind of accidentally stumbled upon a good way to train where I learned, you know, aside from bodybuilding, I learned when I was younger, I learned how to do things like front squats and deadlifts and, and you know, they... He was very much part of the like Arnold era of bodybuilding where mm. it was it was bodybuilding, but there was also strength. Like Arnold was very strong. Yeah. And a lot of bodybuilders in that time were very strong, right? So so I learned that style of training when I was young, which ended up providing a really good found, you know, foundation. Because as you know, when we, we talk to people, I talk about training age a lot. Where, mm. you know, if you look at some of the best athletes, a lot of times their training age or the, the amount of time that they've been exercising or lifting is like double or triple or even quadruple what you know, the average person is a lot of people sure. got into exercise with CrossFit, which is great. Yeah. But you're looking at like four years versus 16, 17, 18 years of yeah. training. Right. Um, so that kind of got me into exercise. And then, uh, I got it. I, I continued wrestling, boxing. I was training for MMA. I was cool. doing that stuff. So, so my, my training style was very functional by nature of the, the, you know, sport that I was, I was doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't want to necessarily be huge. Uh, for wrestling, so I was trying to, you know, keep my body weight the same, but get stronger, get faster, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember a book I picked up um, when I was training for that. It was written by Jason Ferugia, who is kind of like a he's he's been a fitness figurehead for a million years. Cool. But he wrote a book uh, called Fit to Fight, and it was his training program for fighters that he was working with. Mm-hmm. And it was very similar to a lot of stuff that we do in CrossFit. Right? Yeah. And I remember going through one of those workouts and it was like a barbell complex. It was basically like, you know, like any type of barbell complex we do now in a wad, you know, you're doing like deadlifts, cleans, front squats, presses or whatever. And I remember going through one set of that and being absolutely smoked. Um, And then, you know, fast forward to college, I, uh, I met one of my close uh, friends growing up. His brother had helped open a CrossFit gym in Manchester, New Hampshire. That's still open, actually. Sweet. And my buddy was like, "Oh, I'm doing this CrossFit stuff," and he sent me a couple of workouts, and I was like, "Oh, this is sweet. I feel like this is similar to some of the stuff I've been doing." Uh, and my first CrossFit workout ever was Cindy, which uh, nice. was kind of like a trap because I, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, bodyweight stuff. I yeah. do this all day. Like I'm ready." And then the like next second and third workout just absolutely crushed me and uh you know like any any good crossfit story I yeah got, i got hooked yeah when i realized how yeah um and yeah so i started doing crossfit in uh 2000 that would have been 2008 nice uh, so i've been doing crossfit since 2008 and i've been competing I, I remember watching the crossfit games in 2009 back when miko salo was was crushing it Oh yeah, and, uh, good Finn. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 watching that competition, I, I was like, I want to do that. Yeah, and uh, and so that kind of lit the fire for wanting to go to the games and 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 you know train competitively and all that stuff, and uh, that kind of started the journey. And, and obviously, we can get more into yeah, yeah, cardio pushes. Totally. Um, so, what was uh what was training like? Um, once you started getting like game style, like did was there a big shift uh, as far as like um, did you end up having to do like twice a day? Did you end up having to, like really get all of your like recovery and everything like on point or? Yeah, I mean, back then nobody, we, no one knew what they were doing. Yeah, you know, like, like when when you're talking about CrossFit in 2008, it was mm. very new to the East Coast. It had been going in California for a bit, but but you know when I started, I was just doing main site. Like it was CrossFit.com, sure. whatever workout yeah. is, do it. Uh, and I wasn't really supplementing with anything. So, so my cross the journey started by literally just doing the dot com workout. Sometimes cool. it was strength, sometimes it was a, a workout. Um, and then when I got into college, uh, and so the summer of my freshman year is when I started like really getting into CrossFit. Mm. When I got back to school, I started doing it in the. I went to BC. Mm-hmm. I started doing it in the in the gym there. And I remember seeing a group of three guys who were doing a workout that I recognized. I think it was, they were doing Nicole or whatever, like running in pull-ups. And cool. at the time, there weren't a lot of people doing CrossFit, yeah. especially here in the East Coast. So I went up to them right. and I was like, hey, are you guys doing CrossFit or whatever? And, and so that kind of started my competitive, uh, 
the group that I would compete with. Mm-hmm. So we started a, a really a group at BC uh, where we all did workouts together. We hosted like in-house competitions together with like, mm-hmm. you know, people from the school community or whatever. Uh, and those are all some of my closest friends. They're all military guys now. Um, but, but we just started training together regularly. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we started to get a little more structure where, okay, we would pull a couple workouts from a couple places and put together a program for the day. So it would be like some strength component or, mm-hmm. or skill component, you know, some type of workout. And so, so then we started paying a little more attention to, you know, what was going into a training week. Um, recovery was pretty poor. I mean, I was in college, man. It was, <laughs> it was like, you know, maybe had a few too many beers the yeah. day before, but you roll in and like shake off the cobweb. Yeah. And, and you sweat it out. Sweat it out. <laughs> like my, my warm up back then was I would sit at the bottom of a squat until both my hips popped and then I was ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, all right, let's, you know, time to lift. Um, but, uh, but you know, then we started doing seal fit, uh, which was a much longer program from, from Mark Devine. Yeah. Uh, okay. And, I heard of that. And, uh, you know, the thing that was good about that is, um, seal fit's very good about, uh, you know, checking all the boxes. So you do a lift, but they also had stability work where it was like mm-hmm. accessory work based on the main lift. Mm-hmm. And they also, he took a, a or put a large emphasis on recovery, uh, you know, yoga, even meditation. Good. So I started getting introduced to um, like meditation and mm. mindset work through SealFit. Uh, and that stuff kind of continues to this day. But, but that, cool. that was the first time that there was really structure uh, on the training that, that made sense that like there was some type of plan that we were following. Interesting. What, uh, why, what time do you think you started do, uh, doing SealFit? This would have been like uh, probably 2000, like end of 2009, 2010. Wow, okay. So you got relatively quickly hooked onto that stuff, which is awesome. Yeah, That's and it, it makes sense too because the guys I was training with were, were military guys. I mean, you know, one of them is a, is an active duty SEAL now. Cool. The, the other other two are in special operations and other branches. So mm. for them, this is the type of stuff that they were doing anyways. And so yeah. they started to blend that stuff with the CrossFit and, and it was a natural profession. Very cool. Um, I think I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but uh, I know you're you're coaching uh, here. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, do you have? Um, obviously, you have level one. Like what? Any other certs or any things you've yeah. uh, gone into? So I have a, I have my CrossFit L three, cool, uh, which I've had since 2015. Um, I've gone through USAW and Catalyst for uh, Very cool. schools for weightlifting. Uh, it, you know, I was a big, or my coaching emphasis was was on weightlifting primarily back in the day. Uh, I. I have training from uh, Russian master of sport lifters, so uh, you know they don't for weightlifting any, for weightlifting, yeah. Cool. So they don't have any certification, <laughs> but, but uh, you know the, these are guys who are Olympic level yeah. lifters, uh, uh, Olympic level coaches, and so I did a lot of uh, kind of uh, mentorship, or they were they mentored me in, in how in their coaching philosophy and how they programmed and stuff. So Sweet. local uh, guys are uh, so they were they moved here. Um, so obviously everybody knows Club Up. Mm-hmm. Um, so Klokov came over with uh, this guy, uh, Vasily Polovnikov and Nikita Durna. Now, Nikita is a very good friend of mine now, and, and a lot of people cool. uh, may be familiar with him because he coached here for us for a bit. Nice. Um, but they did some, they did a seminar, and then I started actually like actively learning from them. So, so cool. a lot of my coaching uh, knowledge and philosophy on the weightlifting side comes from that school. Very cool. Um, what was, can you say his name again one more time? Uh, so there was Vasily Polovnikov, yep. which I can spell for you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Nikita Durnev, uh, and they came over and were doing seminars with this guy, Yasha Khan, who uh, is a weightlifting coach that was originally based out of Norwood. I don't know where he is now, mm. um, but they he helped bring them over, and they were doing um, instruction in, in the area. And so but I think Vasil- was Vasily in Norwood? He was in Norwood, too? yeah. I had, I had a couple guys in... that trained uh, under him, okay, which is kind of cool. cool, yeah. He's a really good dude, uh, yeah. interesting guy. I think he's in New York City now, so okay. or last I checked, he was training athletes in New York. Yeah. Um, He's a, he's a, he's an animal, man. He, uh, I, I remember he, there was some guy in the gym who was like talking trash to like some of the other lifters <laughs> and he was doing back squats or whatever. And he racked his back squat bar and Vasily walked up to him, looked at him and cold strict pressed this guy's back squat weight <laughs> just, oh to like, just to like, get just him to shut him up. And it was like, it was like three thirty or three forty on the bar too. It wasn't like it man. was like a light. That's why, you know. Some of those weightlifting stories are crazy, um, which actually on my way up here, I wanted to ask you, uh, 
because actually the way I got into CrossFit was um, through Olympic lifting. Mm-hmm. I had a buddy who was doing it at a uh, Providence Barbell Club. Yep, yep. Um, and he got me into it. I was just doing bro stuff at the time, and mm-hmm. I saw him lift snatching like two hundred plus pounds. I'm like, can you teach me how to do that? He's he's like, all right, fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um. Uh, so I got like into like deep dove into like that feel for a while. Like I love to listen to like John North and yeah, like those yeah, guys on podcasts. Sure. So uh, this was a few years ago, like when John North and Jared Edgerton were yep. on the podcast together and um, Invictus. So I'm like, I know he's uh, he was affiliated with Invictus for uh, a while. Did he ever come down? Boston? Uh, yeah. yeah, I've met him a couple times. Uh, I don't know if he's come here, but we've we've you know met each other yeah he also that's did, pretty cool he did grid for a bit too oh Baltimore. that's right that's um, right yeah. so so kind of anybody who did grid we all know each other because we stayed in the same hotel in utah for like a month together oh cool um but yeah so he he's a really good dude i yeah I, i've met him a few times yeah that's cool all right so <laughs> sidetracked um, um but yeah I what, guess any other search that you had or uh no i think that cool um, the catalyst one is cool too the i follow them cool I, yeah. the thing i like about catalyst is i, I really like their teaching progression for me too beginners. oh yeah okay um, and so like they have a very logical teaching progression um for me I, I think with coaching it's always important to add more tools to your toolbox whenever mm. you can and so the thing that i liked about doing that course was just having more tools to work with newer lifters like how do you you know teach somebody who's never done this stuff before and it's mm. important that you have a handful of ways to explain things because you know i think that totally that, uh it, it's important um I, you know and, and to your point i think a good foundation of weightlifting and gymnastics is critical like for anybody who wants to be a competitive crossfitter sure. or who wants to like do things in the sport spend the time to get strong the right way to, to learn how to lift spend the time to do gymnastics and and, and i'm talking from a skill standpoint not just yep. like you know hop up on the rings and rip muscle ups but like analyze how like your body position on muscle ups analyze your lifts um we have a guy a member here that i want to shout out this kid sure. sam, sam carmola when he first joined this gym he had raw strength he was an athlete he yeah. just, you know played sports or whatever um so he was he was fit but he had very little front rack mobility um he had very low like a low skill level in gymnastics because it was a lot of stuff he hadn't done before mm-hmm. and uh you know to his credit he asked me all right if i want to be competitive in this what do i need to do and i yeah. said you need to get really strong and you need to get really good at gymnastics all the other stuff will flow from that mm-hmm. and to his credit he listened to me and now kid's an absolute savage he <laughs> like i think he front squatted 425 for four wow. recently uh but like has beautiful gymnastics really good mm. positions uh and now he's doing the the e- quote easy part which is just like building up uh you know endurance engine. and conditioning and mm. building up his engine which is much harder to do when you have a good foundation than mm. it is if you're starting from there and then trying to add the strength and add the strength. yeah yeah totally that's the way to do it 100 i like so, that like i said to his credit he listened and he is an absolute <laughs> savage um uh all right so let's um Let's skip ahead maybe a little bit um, into filming because I want to make sure we we hit that a good amount and I know we um, yeah, yeah. you get clients coming in a little bit so I don't want to I don't want to rush through that no, so sure. <laughs> we'll talk about that and then it kind of there is one yeah I guess one uh, component that I want to touch sure. on the competitive section which we'll get on after and that's Definitely. kind of how I went from where I was to where I am now um, yeah so filming um, it's been good man I you know I didn't realize. So uh, I'll rewind. I think sure. 2020 sh- you know, shook a lot of things up and I mm-hmm. think it put things in perspective for a lot of people as far as like, you know, what do I enjoy doing? What do I want to do? Like that kind of stuff. Um, I've always enjoyed, you know, storytelling and, and the, the entertainment business's way of doing that. And I think, you know, I've always, I grew up, my mom was a single mom. One of our things that we did together was we would just watch movies. So yeah we would always like go to Blockbuster back in the day and like, nice, yep. movies and just and like jam through that. But that was our activity. And, and we also like to go see movies together in person. That was kind of just mm. what we did. And I know a lot of people have, you know, a similar story sure. uh, who get into the business. But so I've always loved film as a medium. And uh, I think now media and, and especially visual media is so important to telling stories that matter. Mm. And so for me, I use it as a vessel to like, I like telling stories about people who uh, are hard workers or who are inspiring people or who, you know, uh, are high performing individuals in some capacity, whatever that, that may take. So, you know, we have a, a coach here, Jenna, who runs uh, fit to function recovery. She works with people who have, you know, uh, neurological disorders or who are recovering from brain injuries. 
And, you know, to me, those stories were inspiring. So I, I, a lot of the stuff that I filmed this last year was kind of surrounding the athletes she works with and what she's doing with them. So for me, it's just become a way to tell really cool stories. And aside from that, I think no matter what you do, I'm a very like science math guy. I, I, mm. I studied chemistry in college and chemistry wow. and math. So, right, so like I'm a, those are my hardest subjects. Right? <laughs> and I worked in a lab before I got into coaching, which it really is a good segue because I think coaching, especially like uh, strength training, is very mathematic. It's it's based yeah, in it math. Is. It's based in science. You know, the whole to go back to the Russian school of weightlifting, they put some of their smartest students in sports science. Mm-hmm. And so the original weightlifting manuals out of Russia were written by people who are some of the smartest scientists in the country. At the time. Right, right. And so it was a very natural segue to like to coaching in many ways, which mm. I didn't initially realize, um, you know, but I'm a very math science numbers person. Sure. I think it's imperative that everybody has a creative outlet mm. because I think if you don't activate that part of your brain, then you're leaving a lot on the table as far as performance and, and thought and all that. So for me, film is also a way to, to, it's my creative outlet. It's a way for me to express myself in that way, which, Mm. uh, if it wasn't for, you know, making films or movies or commercials or whatever, I wouldn't be doing. Yeah. Um, and so, so for me, that's kind of an equally important piece of it. Very cool. So what was your, uh, what was like your first, uh, project? Like, how did you like end up getting into it? Yeah. So (laughs) the first product that I directed was this, uh, it was originally supposed to be a, a web series called Making Mason, and I wrote it with my buddy Brett. So cool. my buddy Brett, I met at the gym, uh, the CrossFitter. Uh, he moved here from LA cool. and was an actor. And um, and so the whole series was written around the concept of, okay, we have an actor from LA who moves to Boston. It was basically like his story. Yeah. We, made a, we made it a comedy where it was like, okay, what happens if he's in this big movie and he's really proud of it, but it ends up being a total flop. And then like, what, like what happens after that? Like, how does he like redeem himself or go through that process? So we wrote a series about that and I, I thought the story was actually pretty good, mm. but at the time I have no idea what I'm doing Yeah, and I have a camera Just and trying stuff out. around. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, so going back and watching that stuff now, it's funny because like <laughs> I got, you know, I drank from the fire hose in the industry where I mm. learned a lot really quickly and I kind of have an obsessive personality, which I think any competitive prospect probably does, right? <laughs> Uh, and so I just I just started learning everything I could mm. as far as you know uh, how do you film things from a technical standpoint like mm. like you know what techniques do I need to learn what equipment do I need to learn how to use and so you know from that project to my next project I did a horror short for a, a wow. film competition and like I that film was ten times better than nice. the original project yeah. and the next project I did was ten times better than that and so um, you know. That plus meeting my friend Steven, who has really taken me under his wing and, and taught me a lot about the industry, cool. uh, has made me much better. And I also realized, you know, now I'm, I'm more of a producer, which essentially is kind of the project manager for, okay. for a film. Yeah. So your producer is going to put the pieces together. Mm. They allow the director to be creative, but also if like... If they, if the director wants to do something crazy that fe- that isn't feasible within yeah. the scope of the project, the producer's job is to figure out how to make it happen mm. in a different way. So it's kind of like active problem solving, sure, um, okay. you know, coordinating all the pieces, making sure that like if there's a budget for the project, that the money is where it needs to be, that the things are paid for, that equipment's ordered, that you huh. know the crew is set up, and that you know the client is getting what they need if it's a commercial. Right. Project. So that has kind of become. A, a way to combine my skill set in different domains sure. um, into doing something and creating a project that, that I like being a part of. So I get to be creative in the sense that I'm, I'm helping solve problems and helping give feedback to the creative process, but I also get to rely on my kind of, you know, math, science, logical yeah, yeah. organization side to kind of put all the pieces in place. Gotcha. Would you say like the director is more of like the storyteller in a way and like uh, produces more of like the CEO of like the like the ma- manager is yeah, that a like way that, to look that's, at that's it? That's really that's actually a really good way to describe it. The, the director is is the one who's responsible for the vision and, and making mm. it happen, and they work with the cinematographer or the director of photography, which is the person in charge of the lighting and the camera package. Mm-hmm. So the the DP director of photography basically takes the director's vision and finds a way to technically execute that vision and create the visuals that you see. Mm. Um, and then to your point, the producer is, is kind of like managing the whole process sure very cool awesome um 
any uh, anything coming up? I know, did we already ask that? Any, no, any, any uh, come prize coming up? Well, there, yeah, there are a few things coming on. Uh, so we're, we're, we're finishing a music video now that um, Sweet. Is, is pretty sick. It's uh, This was one of those things where her, my uh, my buddy Steve really went all out as far as like creating something beautiful. Mm. Um, and so I'm really proud of, of the stuff that he was able to do and, and all that. Uh, we also have a fitness commercial that we are dropping soon. And this was something that we did completely on our own, but we we uh, we think it's going to make some waves in the community. So we'll drop that. <laughs> Let's um, go more like Boston community. I think it's going to make waves in the CrossFit community. Sweet. So um, we're we're really proud of it. Uh, it was kind of Steve's vision. Mm. It was an idea he had, and then I helped him kind of translate his vision into like what we actually do in CrossFit. And, yeah. And so it was a really cool collaborative process. That's um, awesome. And. Uh, yeah, that'll be dropping soon, which which I think will be pretty cool. Very cool. I like it. Um, and you're, uh, I, I looked up on Instagram, Inkjet is the name of the... Yeah, Inkjet, uh, I-N-K-J-E-T-T-P. Inkjet P is my production stuff. I mean, uh, Trained Right is my main Instagram, which has mm-hmm. links to all, like, links to everything else. So, so, you know, people can kind of go down the rabbit hole uh, there. Um but one, you know, just to rewind, one thing yeah. that I did want to talk about, uh, or an aspect of my story that I think is really important, and, and mm-hmm. this is something that I try to uh, talk to people a lot about. So, so the 2016-2017 season with, with CrossFit, sure. Once again, 2016, I got drafted. Uh, my rookie season in grid was was probably my best competitive season in anything. Cool. And then 2017, as we mentioned, I was not on the team that went to regionals. And right. I kind of had this like this huge downtrend for a number of reasons. And we don't need to get into that that stuff. But but point being, my performance kind of fell off. Mm. And it forced me to stare at myself in the mirror a little bit and, mm. and assess you know what I wanted to do. And I kind of pursued the competitive thing for a little bit longer after that. And then you know decided to officially retire. Sure. Um, but one of the pieces of that that was important is... For me, when I was when I got really competitive and when things really mattered, mm. I didn't necessarily like the person that I became. Sure, it, you know, while doing that, right? And I think that a lot of people, when you're competitive, get into this place. And I made the mistake of, you know, wanting people I was competing against to do poorly and like mm. checking the leaderboard constantly yeah. and you know, uh, measuring myself against the performance of other people and not. I was looking externally and not internally enough. Sure. Which sure. I think is a common mistake when it comes to being competitive in anything, right? Yeah. And now I'm finally at a place where, like, I'm I'm doing competitive training and like doing competitive workouts and doing the open and like, I'm doing a you know one of our coaches Burn here runs the Invictus Invitational for the last mm. few years, which is a really cool like community event competition that I'm going to be doing. Um, but the reason that I was able to get to that place is is now I'm I'm genuinely happy for other people when they do well. I'm mm. trying to cheer for other people to have a good workout. Sure. And I think if you if you can shift to that place or or as a competitor, if you can, you know, it's you want to win or you want to do the best you can. But I think it's also important to note that you know shifting your mindset to a mindset of abundance and of you know there's there's enough success in the world for everybody to kind of have right. have their own thing right and that doesn't necessarily mean that somebody doing well takes away from your ability to do well sure um, that mindset shift has been really important for me being able to you know to like train again and have fun again and not you know yeah enjoy the process right uh and i think you know there there may be people out there who are kind of struggling with that same thing especially as we get into the open season as we get into you know to the competitive part of the season but i think it's important to get to that place where you know be able to genuinely cheer for other people hope for the best for them you know right like genuinely want your peers to do well and and and, and uh you know push for their success mm-hmm. and i think doing that uh you know tends to make you a little bit luckier as well, it tends to make things go a little better for you. Sure. You know, I found that my life has gone a lot better in most capacities when I've been able to shift into that place and, and kind of uh, be more positive for, for those around me and, mm-hmm. and, and really cheer for those around me. I like that. It's like contagious, like what goes around comes around, like, um, yeah, along those types of lines. And I and I definitely do see that um, even with people that are close to me or people that I've talked to in the past that like, um, you mentioned Arnold before, like a uh, uh, part of like his 
thing, like, I guess, like, in the back room of bodybuilding was, like, he kind of, like, do, like, psychological stuff to kind of, like, mess with other people. And I guess there is, like, some truth to that. Like, or even, like, um, if you look at, like, pro basketball players, they'll kind of, yeah. like, mess with each other or, like, kind of shit-talk each other a little bit on the For court. Sure. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, interesting. Like, I don't know if Cross really has a, a space for that or if, like, like go along with what you said, like, it's, we're probably better off if we're more supportive of each other versus, like, tearing each other down yeah. on the competition floor. Even just from a purely competitive standpoint, right? Like, if I'm competing against you, I mm. want to win while you're having your best day. I don't want right. I don't want to win while you're having a bad day, or I don't want to do better than you because you had a bad workout. Like, yeah. Like, in the spirit of competition, I want to win because I deserve to win. Like, right. I want you to be the best version of yourself on the competition floor sure. so that if I beat you or I win that workout, like, you know, that's a, that's a true a, victory. That's a true victory. Yeah. Right? Like, you don't want people to around you to be doing poorly or having bad days like you want right. everybody to be at their best and that that's what kind of also aids the spirit of competition totally yeah i like that and if, and if everybody's better off if people aren't like kind of i don't know taking digs at each other at the oh, same sure. time it's more of a i mean it crossfits is, it's huge but at the same time it's a small community you don't yeah. want to be burning yeah. bridges and <laughs> it's a slippery it's a slippery yeah. slope when you when you invite negativity in right even targeted at other people because yeah. it, it, it's a poison that slowly starts to kind of eat at yourself as well and, sure and that, for me that that definitely happened where i had to take a big step back and be like i don't like who i am yeah right now yeah and i need to fix that yeah so gotcha that, I like that, that was a big shift for me that that um there was a there's another book that was uh, similar. I know we got to top off in a second, but um, uh, uh, I'm blanking on the name of it right now. There's a, it was a, about the coach who um, was a strength coach for Michael Jordan. No, no, Kobe Bryant and Dwayne Wade. Um, it's slipping, but he talks a lot about um, about that. I'll have to put it in the show notes because I can't remember yeah, what it is right sure. now. Um, about the dark side yeah. of like athleticism and competitive athleticism and um, – how to control it and what happens if you can't control it. And I think that plays a lot into like what you were saying. For sure. Yeah. yeah it, it, on a related note, Kobe is probably one of my favorite sports figures mm. as far as like, if there's somebody who has always been a source of inspiration for me, it's Kobe yeah. because of his work ethic, right? Sure. Like, like there are legendary stories about how he was training, prepping, you know, all the things about him that made him who he was. And obviously everybody has their demons and their dark sides and whatever. Yeah. Um, but the thing that inspires me most about Kobe and who he was was his ability to to always outwork everybody, which I think mm-hmm. is really important. You know, you have to. There's leverage where you want to be working on the right things. Like mm-hmm. hard work for for hard work's sake isn't necessarily always effective. But once you find the right thing to work on, you know, you still have to. When you find the right shovel, you still have to dig. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. Itself, right. I like that. I never heard that before. That's good. <laughs> yeah. That's. There you go. We'll leave, we'll leave the people with Yeah. Um, all right. So we'll wrap up with that. Um, just last three questions. And the last one, just people up, so I'll say it now. Uh, so we have the last questions are, what's in store for the future? Anything you want to plug? And then if you had one quote, mantra, saying that you really like, the way I describe it in Rhode Island is if you could put it on a billboard yeah. on uh, Route 95, yeah. <laughs> so everyone driving by can see it. But uh, we'll start with uh, what's in store for the future. I mean, I know you talked about the film. Yeah. Um, and we're in the open season right now. Yeah, and yeah. Coaching, but. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to enjoy the open. I'm going to enjoy cool. the crossing season this year and just kind of see what happens. You know, I, I don't have any... Uh, uh, delusions of grandeur or aspirations of like whatever but <laughs> yeah you know i i think uh the quarterfinal workouts tend to be uh suited to my strengths just given yeah. my experience as an athlete so um i'm gonna just do the best i can in the open do the best i can in quarters and kind of see mm. what happens um business wise yeah we're, we're gonna try to really grow the film business this year we want to do some bigger creative projects and nice and, um i'm gonna you know my my friend and I are kind of pushing each other to be better and, mm. and to to keep leveling up what we're making. So so I'm excited to see what happens there. Mm. Um, you know, uh, as far as um, what was the second question? Anything you want to plug? I mean, we oh, talked yeah. a little bit about it, like Inkjet. Um, yeah, well, yeah. you know, we'll plug my social channels, yeah. whatever. I uh, one thing I do, I, I write a newsletter every week um, yeah. that uh, hits Monday mornings, um, and and the. Uh, that's just pages.trainedright.com and we'll put all the cool. links in the notes. Yeah. That's that's where the newsletter is. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, that's been a really fun process of, uh, of kind of ruminating on things that I've read or seen that week. I, I always, so every newsletter is kind of like a little mini blog post and then I put links to some of the most interesting things that I've read or seen or whatever that week. I put a lot of book recommendations. I put a lot of you know, nice. articles, podcasts, that kind of stuff. I like it. Um, so, so that's a, a good, I think a good thing for people to subscribe to. 
Um, and then, yeah, uh, the billboard question is, is probably one of my favorites. I really like this question. <laughs> it's a Tim Ferriss one. For sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, Tools of Titans and Travis Mentors, uh, books worth reading too, where he has, you know, it's all the these type of questions that he asks people. Right. <laughs> um, but so one of the quotes that I love is burn the boats. Um, okay. And so, you know, uh, basically burn the boats comes from, uh, I believe it was Cortez originally when he, uh, when he, you know, uh, landed and they were, they were going to take over the island. He, he burned the ships yeah. behind them, uh, as a way to symbolize that the only way forward is through and we're either going to mm-hmm. be victorious or we're going to die. Right. And obviously, you know, that sentiment I think applies to a lot of things in life where fully commit, you know, I don't like going into things with a backup plan. I'll mm. figure out a backup plan if, if you know, right. you know things go go wrong. But I think it's important to to push for your your first plan to try to do everything you can to make things happen to fully commit. Yeah, I think the reason that people fail in a lot of endeavors isn't necessarily because the idea is bad, but they're mm-hmm. not fully committed to executing. One hundred percent. Yeah, and so you know the concept of burning the boats is something that I try to. Uh, take in a lot of the actions that I take or the decisions that I make where yeah. I want to fully commit to making this happen and that means not thinking about the backup plan or not thinking about what happens if it goes wrong mm-hmm. but committing myself my resources I mean when I started the film with the film stuff this is a prime example I really dove in I I, I, I invested in the equipment and the knowledge that I needed mm-hmm. to to commit to, to making that happen I didn't just kind of like half-ass it or, or you know do little by little I was like if I want to make this happen these are the things that I need to do mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to dedicate to that and see what happens and if you give it your best effort and you you know you commit fully to that process and it doesn't work out that's right. fine yeah but i think lack of commitment is the reason that a lot of people fa- fail more so than having a bad idea or whatever i think sure. it's, the, it's the committing to the execution of that idea yeah. that is is pivotal to success I, that's cool i have a a small like a home basement and the flag, like Jim flag, or whatever, like a pirate flag, and it says "Burn the ships on it." Yeah. So I like that quote a lot. That's a good one. I think I think more people should <laughs> should uh, should live by that. Yeah, very cool. All right, well, I won't keep you any longer because I know you got a client coming in. Um, yeah. Awesome to have you on the podcast. I think that was really good. I think people are gonna like that a lot. Yeah, it was fun, man. We'll, we'll have to do it again sometime. We'll do part two. Let's go. All right, cool. All right, Roadie Strength Podcast. We are signing off. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. <laughs>